Hello beloved and welcome to this evening message and in this evening's message we are going to take a look at none other than um, <clears throat> what defines us as believers. This is part two. We started last time if I'm not mistaken and we basically looked at the question what defines a believer? What defines a believer? Uh, in in plain English, what it defines me. Uh, it kind of made me think of uh, the question that is being thrown around now in the United States of America, where it says, define a woman. What is a woman? Um, and then the, the people who has to identify it will come and say, a woman is someone who identifies as a woman. Now, that's absolutely ridiculous. You can't define something by actually saying that something and that something is actually the description of what it is so you can't say uh, what defines a woman and then you say but a woman is a a person who defines as define themselves as a woman or identifies themselves as a woman so when it comes to biblical christianity what is important for us is what defines us as believers what is those? What what is it that defines us as believers? Now, pardon me. We're going to continue to look at what the apostle Paul was speaking about in Second Corinthians chapter five, and we're going to look at verse eighteen to twenty-one in this service, in this message. Before we continue, though, let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of coming to you as the uh, as the living Almighty God. And thank you that you've defined what we look like as believers. Once you save us and once you regenerate us and once we've been sanctified, uh, declared holy in your sight, you actually tells us what defines us. So it's not what we think and what we would like it to be, but rather what you say it is. So I pray, Father, please, will you enable us to understand and um, will you enable us to take to heart that which we read in your word. As we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Right, I just want to read it a few verses uh, in Second Tis- uh, Timothy chapter 3. Very well known. This is speaking about the last days. And, and um, speaking about, what, about the characteristics that people will have who seems to be religious okay but they are not believers they are not born again believers they do not have saving faith and the reason why they don't have it and i can say it with confidence is if you look at their lives you look at the fruit of their lives then you can see but definitely these people cannot be saved even though they are in the church because this is what we see in second timothy so let's read it second timothy chapter 3 verse 1 says for know this that in the last days, perilous times will come, difficult, um, dangerous times. Né? Very, very dangerous times uh, will come. And now the Apostle Paul continues to say to Timothy, he says to him in verse 2, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, Slanderers, without self-control, 
brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away, says Paul to Timothy. Turn away from these kind of people because they are going to change you. They're going to influence you. If you go and, how can I say, associate yourself with people like this, then you will find that your good moral values and your good norms and what the good that you used to stand for will definitely change. Because, unfortunately, bad habits has the ability to change us for the worse and not for the better. Okay. So last time, what I wanted to say quickly, just let me just say this. So there's a warning, a prophetic word of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And obviously the time that he's talking about is from the ascension of Christ until his second coming. But obviously what we see in the world today and what we see in the world around us is as we get closer to the return of Christ, we can be rest assured that these things, these characteristics of people will increase it will definitely increase all right so we're going to see these things increase and these people uh, they have a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof all right so this these are religious people okay now uh, in second corinthians the apostle paul is telling the corinthian believers what defines them as believers what shows that they are truly believers and beloved when we as we get closer to the return of christ this distinction the distinction i believe is going to become clearer and clearer and clearer it's interesting how the apostle john when he finishes off the book of revelation he says let those who are holy be holy still and let those who are evil let them be evil still now uh, so he's talking about the fact that people who love Christ and who walks with Him and talks with Him and have fellowship with Him, that their love for Him will increase and their walk with Him will will increase. But those who do not have it, it will get worse on their side. Right. So what we're going to see is we're going to see this development taking place in the world around us. And that's heartbreaking. It, it is so something that we, we don't really want to see. It's not something that I am excited about. But this is what Scripture teaches now. Scripture teaches us very clearly that this is going to happen. Now, last time I asked the question, can you tell me who you are without telling me what you are? Now, if you haven't watched the message um, last week's, then I really encourage you to watch it because I believe it will help you to understand uh, this question better and it will understand you where I'm coming from with regards to where, what we are going to do today. In this um, evening message now so the question is don't tell me what you are but tell me who you are okay in in part one of our message we looked at three things that the Apostle Paul basically gives us to define who we are and we, we see it in in verses 16 to 18 in the first place, Paul tells us, and he defines us, who we are, and he says, believers are people who do not regard anyone according to the flesh any longer. Secondly, he says that believers are new creations, old things have passed away, 
and all things have become new. And then third, he says, believers are people who received the ministry of reconciliation. All right? It's not something that we still have to get so that we can go and share it. No, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Now, we didn't get around to, to look at this third thing that the Apostle Paul gives us to define who we are. Now, we read in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We read the following in verse 18. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given the ministry of reconciliation to us. Now, some of the modern translation, uh, translations adds the word these in the sentence. So it will basically read, now all these things are of God. And that's actually so beautiful now. All these things are of God. Uh, if it's read like that, it basically means that everything that Paul said from verse 14 to verse 17 is done by God. Now in verse 14 to 17, Paul basically described all the aspects which relates to someone's conversion and he, he or he saw her newly uh, formed life in Christ. And I believe that the context tells us that everything was done by God. In verse 14 and 15, it speaks of Christ who died for all and rose again, so believers should not live for themselves. Verse 16 tells us that we uh, no longer regard anyone to the, uh, according to the flesh. It is only possible if Christ enables us to do so. Otherwise, we will always look at people in accordance to the flesh. But if Christ allows us, we look at people in a different, with completely different glasses. In verse 17, now if we read verse 17, it tells us that believers are new creations. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Now, we need to understand that only God can regenerate anyone. I mean, no sinner is able to do it on his or her uh, behalf or for themselves or, yeah, f on them. I believe that the context in verses 14 to 17 actually tells us that our conversion and our newly transformed life in Christ, that all of this is accomplished by God alone. All right, let's get back to verse 18. Verse 18, well, Paul, Paul tells us that all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, what we have here is an act of God where he takes a sinner and he reconciles that sinner to himself without that sinner knowing what happened to him or her. In actual fact, it is some, many times without that person wanting anything from God. Now, we know that sin separates human beings and God. Now, that separation between God and human beings is because of sin. Adam and Eve had um, perfect fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. And after they sinned, that fellowship was gone. I mean... They would have a break in their relationship. And it's so sad when relationships break up, isn't it? I, I've, I've 
witnessed many relationships during the years that has broken up. But it's amazing that God came to Adam and Eve after they've sinned. So after this relationship was destroyed, basically, God is the one who reaches out to Adam and Eve. Now remember that Adam, Adam and Eve, they were hiding from God because they realized that they were naked. But it is God who comes to them. God is the one who reached out to Adam and Eve to reconcile himself with them. You remember that God killed an animal? You know, to temporarily basically cover up the sin of Adam and Eve? God basically they instituted the sacrificial system that was going to come in the future and that would point towards Jesus Christ furthermore into the future. You see, when Jesus died, it was again God who became flesh, um, who died for our sin. And to make it possible for sinners to be reconciled to God. You see, God takes the initiative. He took the initiative then and he still takes it now. God made it possible. So what God does is to give believers the ministry of reconciliation to basically show us who we are. No one else on earth, uh, in fact, nothing else on earth received the ministry of reconciliation. Only believers received it. Beloved, that's who we are. We are ministers of reconciliation. We can call ourselves uh, reconciliation ministers. So who are we as believers? As believers, we are regenerated sinners who are called by the Almighty God to go uh, to other sinners and to serve them with the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his ascension to heaven that is going to return. Right? And, and we as believers have this amazing opportunity because God uses us or wants to use us to reconcile sinners to himself. Right? So what we do is when we go out and preach the gospel, we proclaim that God in his great mercy is willing to reconcile with man because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But there's another aspect to this ministry of reconciliation. I believe that we received, um, and we see it in verse 19. Let's read it. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their transgressions or their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I can just say, wow, wow, wow. This verse tells us something of the amazing God that we worship, beloved. I mean, the way God reconciled sinners to himself is not to impute their sins to them or to tell them that they are sinners and to say all your sins are going to be dumped on yourself and you got to pay for it no god took our sins upon himself i mean sinners are supposed to die for their own sin but god in christ took it upon himself 
Our sins has been placed on Jesus Christ. People from every aspect of life, every ethnic kind of group, they can become reconciled to God because God took their sin upon Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. So all the sin that they committed and all the sin that they were born with, even this sinful nature that they are born with, it is placed on the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, beloved, then, then God um, basically gave the believers, those who are reconciled to him, he then gives them the word of reconciliation. Isn't that beautiful? I, I, if I think about it, humanly speaking, just if I'm thinking about it, when I'm thinking about it, I would kind of wonder if I would be willing to to give the ministry of reconciliation to human beings. Obviously, it's regenerated, filled with the Holy Spirit. But I mean, will I? Would I really try it? Would I really do it? Yeah, it's a hard one. But beloved, that's what God did in Christ. As believers, we have the privilege and let's say also the responsibility to explain to the unsaved what God did for them. When he reconciled sinners to himself in Christ. It should be part of our ministry. Okay, so when what have we learned so far from the Apostle Paul? Is there are three things which defines who we are. First, we are people who do not regard anyone according to the flesh any longer. Second, we are people who are new creations. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And third, we are people who received the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we received from God. And we go around all the world and we tell people that they, um, it's possible to be reconciled to God. And the way to be reconciled to God is by faith in Jesus Christ. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that he, uh, how can I say, did everything necessary that we can once again be reconciled to God. Because he not only paid the penalty for, for our sin. He took away the the punishment for our sin. He yeah, he just got rid of sin in our lives, even though we still have a sinful nature. Eh? But Christ is just absolutely amazing what he did on our behalf, beloved. And then what he does is he comes as a shield and he shields us. And why? Because he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Without us going out into the world and telling people about Christ and telling us that people about the fact that God reconciled mankind to himself through Christ. Love it. We, we need to understand how great and amazing this is. Okay, now, there's a fourth thing that the Apostle Paul shows us that defines who we are. Look at verse 20. Verse 20. Now, or he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
Okay, can you see the fourth thing that Paul shows us that uh, defines who we are? Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Obviously, ambassadors to proclaim and to announce that people need to be reconciled with God. Okay. But beloved, this is who we are. We are ambassadors for Christ. And, and let me tell you, if we are ambassadors for Christ, I believe we need to live as ambassadors for Christ. There are too many people who has the ministry of reconciliation, but they've never shared it with anyone that people can be, uh, uh, how can I say, reconciled to God. And people are, those who are believers, are ambassadors for Christ. They, they just need to live like ambassadors for Christ. They need to take the gospel and go out into the world and to preach that gospel and to share that the ministry of reconciliation is true and that people can be reconciled to God. Beloved, an ambassador was an older and more experienced person who would serve as a representative of a king. An ambassador would typically live in a foreign country as a representative representative of his own country now believers are described by the apostle paul as ambassadors of king jesus they they represent the heavenly king here on earth now what believers as ambassadors do is to basically appeal to the people of the earth to sinners and that appeal is be reconciled to god Paul describes it as if the ambassadors of King, Christ, King Jesus pleads with earthly sinners to be reconciled. And I believe the reason why there is this pleading it is because the ambassadors know what is um, going to happen to those who would reject the invitation. Oh, beloved, this is an amazing picture of God's love for sinners, isn't it? We see the, the pleading with sinners to be reconciled. How, um, how does he do it? How does he plead with sinners to be reconciled by using ambassadors? He basically sends ambassadors as representatives of his heavenly kingdom uh, to go and plead with, it, with sinners. And this is absolutely amazing. Beloved, if you have not been reconciled with God yet, I plead with you, I really do plead with you, that you be reconciled. Get reconciled with God. Is it possible? Yes. How is it possible? Through faith in Christ. Because Christ is the one who made it possible for us to be reconciled to God. It's not something that I can do. Okay? So if you have not been reconciled, I plead with you, be reconciled. If you have been reconciled, well, then go and plead with others. Go and plead with sinners that they too need to be reconciled with God. Otherwise, they're going to end up in an eternal hellfire, the pool of fire that burns. Right? And we don't want anybody to end up there. We want people to be saved. So take either whatever and and we, we just need to go right so we've learned so far that the apostle paul says that there are four things that defines who we are as believers the first one is 
We are people who do not regard anyone according to the flesh any longer. That's the first one. Okay? Second one, we are people who are new creations. Old things have passed away. And all things have become new. And then third, we are people who receive the ministry of reconciliation. And fourth, we are ambassadors for Christ. Beloved, now let's look at verse 21. Verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Wow. Here we see the fifth thing that basically defines who we are as believers. Paul says that we become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. You see, God treated Jesus who was sinless. God treated him as a sinner. And because God treated Jesus as a sinner... He could treat sinners as if they did not sin, like Jesus was. It's called imputation. Okay? Jesus was imputed with our sin, and he was treated like a sinner, and he died. But sinners was imputed with Christ's righteousness. Uh, sinners were basically treated as if they never sinned, as if they didn't sin, and that they had Christ's righteousness in them. Beloved, believers are treated as if they are righteous, even though they are actually not. And it's because Jesus was treated as a sinner. So you can see that Christ took my sin upon himself, my unrighteousness, everything that is bad, he took upon himself and he gave me his righteousness. And this is who we are as believers. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are, um, how can I say, treated as righteous before God. And it's all uh, because of what Jesus Christ did on our behalf. When he took our sin upon himself in exchange for his righteousness. Oh, beloved, what a blessing we have. What a blessing God has given us. All right, so we've learned five things from the Apostle Paul so far. That basically defines who we are as believers. And, and we found it or find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 21. The first one is, we are people who do not regard anyone according to the flesh any longer. Second, we are people who are now new creations. All things have passed away and all things have become new. And then third, we are people who receive the ministry of reconciliation and we can go out and we can share the ministry of reconciliation with others by telling people that they can too, or they can also be reconciled to God. And then fourth, we are ambassadors for Christ. And fifth, but not the last one, eh, but fifth, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus.
Beloved, that's who we are. In accordance to how the Apostle Paul explains it to us in 2 Corinthians 5. Right? We don't regard people according to the flesh. Okay? We are people ourselves who are new creations. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. We are people who receive the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. And we become the righteousness of God in Christ as we are declared holy because of what Christ did on our behalf on the cross. Beloved, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And basically what that tells us is who are we as believers? What defines us as believers? If the world is going to change and there's going to be people who are going to fall away from the faith, people who are going to become apostate, if that is true, beloved, then these characteristics needs to be ours. It should define us as believers and the way that we walk and talk and live and do. May the Lord really, 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 truly help us that as we look at prophecy and as we look at the end of, of um, as we know it, oh, beloved, may we know who we are and may we be who we are. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this amazing passage of Scripture that teaches us who we are in Christ and who we are is is so important so that the world can see uh, who we are and glorify you. Father, I pray that what has been preached, shared with your people, that it will really stick to their hearts and their minds so that you may be glorified in and through our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you his peace. God willing, until next time. Bye-bye.